0: Hey everybody, welcome to The Conversation, I am John Adarola and over the course of the next 20 to 30 minutes or so, we've got two awesome conversations for you. A little bit later on, you're gonna wanna stick around because Anna Kasparian is gonna be back in studio to interview a congressional candidate from California, Cenk Uger. He's a guy with a really interesting past, he apparently makes videos for YouTube, seems like a risky thing if you wanna get into politics. but. He's an interesting guy, so we're gonna have a conversation with him. But before we get to that, and that's coming up pretty soon, we have a candidate for California State Senate District 11, Jackie Fielder, who joins us on the conversation now. Welcome to the show.
1: Hi. Thank you for having me. Uh,
0: very glad to have you here, uh, wanna learn about your candidacy, about the area. Um, before we get into your platform and all of that though, um, tell us a little bit about some of your background, your you know political activism, what have you engaged in prior to launching this uh, candidacy?
1: Sure, so I'm originally from Long Beach, California, I lived in California my whole life. I've been in the Bay Area since I uh, moved up here for college in 2012. I went to Stanford and I graduated with a BA in Public Policy and an MA in Sociology. Uh, For the past few years, I have been working on a public bank. So for those of you who don't know, a public bank is basically a bank owned by a local government agency. And this past year, we've worked with um, our great friends in LA and across the state to pass public bank bill AB 857, which legalizes municipal and other regional banks across California. This, of course, was inspired by obviously the Occupy movement. But for me personally, it really got going in 2016 when I saw my relatives at Standing Rock uh, facing down the the side of barrels of uh, law enforcement at Standing Rock who were protecting an oil company. And I saw that here in San Francisco, uh, we had an opportunity to divest $12 billion of our city. Uh, monies from the Wall Street banks that were financing this pipeline. Uh, There are really no other alternatives except for uh, public bank. And now we have after the governor signed AB 857, we are hoping to pass next month uh, an ordinance to get our city a public bank within the next few years. uh, To reinvest in things that we actually need like affordable housing, renewable energy, public infrastructure, small businesses and so on. So that's what I've been working on here locally. I'm also a lecturer at San Francisco State in the College of Ethnic Studies where I teach race, women, and class. Um, And now I'm running for state senate.
0: Okay, well, certainly you've been busy, uh, clearly, Um, really fascinating few years. And uh, what I'm interested in then is, so you have the the educational background, you've you've actually notched some wins already from the outside. What made you wanna make the jump now into elected office?
1: Yeah, so um, in my undergrad the Black Lives Matter movement really popped off and inspired me to look at the larger systemic issues that we have in our society. And I had at that point started questioning who stands to benefit from police violence, who stands to benefit from racism. And I found that Wall Street banks, private prisons, fossil fuel companies are the exact uh, people who stand to benefit from this. And they often of course, as we know, millions of dollars into um, campaigns like this one and at the national level to make sure that their uh, empires are protected by the law. And for me, it's been obviously being in district 11, this, this district is the entirety of San Francisco, as well as parts of northern San Mateo County. Um, We have more than 60 billionaires alone in our district. Wow. And we also have in California statewide 157 billionaires. (laughs) California has a $3 trillion economy. We have the fifth largest economy in the world. We also have more than half the nation's unhoused population. The Bay Area and California at large is also experiencing an unprecedented housing crisis. That at this particular moment in time has not been addressed um, other than giving real estate developers and uh, the market unfettered regulations.
0: Okay, so you just mentioned like six things I want to talk about. I'm going to try to keep them organized in my head. Um, but let's start. You mentioned uh, obviously you're I was super overrepresented in that area of, of billionaires. Uh, lots of money, obviously. Um, you know, as an outsider, I, I haven't lived there, but I, but I know a little bit about some of the issues that are going on there. So um, you, you talked about uh, some of these interest banking and all of that sort of flooding money into local elections. And I, we've seen that in other um, you know, West Coast uh, city elections. So are you already seeing that? I know you're going up against uh, an incumbent Democrat. Are you seeing uh, like ads being run against uh, challengers to him? what What's the experience been like so far of running not just for state Senate, but specifically in San Francisco?
1: In San Francisco, uh, it's very difficult. I don't think it's it's been a long time since we've actually seen um, someone take a pledge to not accept real estate lobby money. Um, As far as I know, I'm, I'm the only one in the state senate race to pledge to not accept money from the real estate lobby or from real estate developers, corporate landlords. Um, And a lot of that is to do with the reasoning that I want to be accountable to everyday people. And I don't think that we can make the gains that we actually need for this crisis. If our elected officials continue to accept contributions from those who stand to gain from business as usual. um, I'm calling for a California homes for all platform that actually puts dollars to the problem. And it calls for taking 200,000 units off of the speculative market. Uh, In San Francisco alone, we lose about. 400 affordable units that are naturally occurring every single year. And we are severely constricted by uh, two different acts in the California um, state code which are the Ellis Act and the Costa Hawkins Act. We need to repeal those so that we have absolutely universal rent control at the local level. And so, uh, we, so we can protect tenants uh, from predatory landlords that stand to gain from flipping their buildings and uh, you know renting out to people who can pay much more for, for units here in San Francisco. Uh,
0: that reminds me of uh, a lot of the issues we're dealing with in LA as well, actually. Um, so uh, th- this issue in-, in terms of your housing affordability and homelessness, big issue in San Francisco. And for you, from what I've read, it's, it's a personal issue that you yourself have experienced homelessness uh, very recently, correct?
1: That's correct. I lecture at San Francisco State. but. It's not enough to put, you know, uh, myself through an entire year. I've had to take up several different uh, service industry jobs, and that's the case for a lot of educators, a lot of public sector workers, nonprofit workers, social workers. Um, so many people that contribute to uh, functioning this entire uh, district, and it's unfortunate that a lot of people, a lot of workers, have to commute sometimes even two or three hours from outside of the city to be able to come here and make a decent living from not just one job, but multiple jobs. And so there are different levels to homelessness. There are obviously people tonight uh, that will be because our shelter waitlist in San Francisco alone is more than 800 people long. There are people sleeping on grates for shelter and warmth, uh, no shelter, just warmth. And we also have many uh, students in San Francisco Unified School District, about more than 2,000 uh, students that are unhoused today, um, not including their family members. Uh, a lot of educators like myself uh, who are also experiencing homelessness, not just um, for a short stint like myself, you know, sleeping in the car or sleeping at friends' houses, but for long periods of time. And this is absolutely unsustainable and the fifth largest economy in the world, it is a problem of morality.
0: Uh, I couldn't agree more. Um, now as you pointed out, um, you know, you're know you running in the entirety of San Francisco and outside areas as well. I imagine probably pretty expensive to run a race under those conditions um, and against an incumbent. But at the same time, we've seen in the California Senate now against Nancy Pelosi, Democratic leadership experiencing primary challenges in a way that it doesn't seem like we have seen um, outside of the past few years. Uh, Is there a lot of interest in these sorts of primary challenges? Are you seeing uh, organizations providing some assistance, some funding uh, to try to get uh, candidacies like yourself off the ground?
1: Yeah, so there's a lot of endorsements rolling in. Um, Our average contribution to this particular campaign is about $120. And in a city like San Francisco, that is, I believe at this point, um, very impressive, especially for a grassroots campaign. Um, We crushed our fundraising goal from the time that I announced around Thanksgiving to the time that the ball dropped on New Year's Eve. We crushed our fundraising goal by raising about 90k and the maximum contribution limit in this particular race is $4,700, which is to me outrageous. But in California politics, it's absolutely normal. Um, We absolutely are, you know, small dollar contribution, uh, majority funded campaign, especially because I'm not accepting money from real estate. Industry from charter school advocates from pg and um, hmm. There are plenty of people, that, however, that want to see change in Sacramento and who understand that the way that it is now just means more displacement, more homelessness, less funding for public schools. And honestly, a state that's even more on fire in the coming decades.
0: Yeah, I wanted to make sure that we focus mainly on you and your candidacy, your platform. But I do wanna at least allow you to talk a little bit about the Democrat incumbent, Scott Weiner. Obviously, you wanna replace him, you've got some issues with him. What do you feel is the mismatch between him and the district right now?
1: Yeah, so in the past few years, he has unfortunately come on the wrong side of His constituents. In June 2018, the local police officers association wanted to write their own use of force policy. And this is in the wake of a racist texting scandal in 2016. Um, In in June 2018, the voters voted overwhelmingly to shoot that measure down. I actually managed that campaign and they outspent us five to one. And we still won, but we won by grassroots organizing. And then in November of 2018, we had a measure on the ballot put on by homelessness advocates and it was a small tax on the wealthiest corporations in the city to provide for permanent housing, supportive housing and mental health services for uh, the thousands of unhoused people here in the city. And supervisor, sorry, uh, Senator Weiner, Um, came on the side of police unions in June of that year and also came on the side of corporations that year. Um, Despite that, the electorate voted overwhelmingly uh, on the right side of history. And unfortunately, at this point, those uh, funds for homelessness services and housing are held up in court uh, because they only garnered about 61% of the electorate support. When if they had gotten 67%, uh, it would be immediately available right now. Yeah. And for that reason, there are dozens of people who will die on the streets this year and since November 2018. And to me, that's, that's morally reprehensible, especially coming from an elected official who understands the gravity of homelessness in his district. Yeah. Um, it's not only that, but right now he's pushing for a bill uh, called SB 50. And in my view, it's it's one of the largest um, giveaways to real estate developers that we've seen in decades. And unfortunately, it's um, it's not as strong as we need it to be for tenants, for communities that are experiencing displacement. Um, it unnecessarily adds incentives onto those communities for more speculation from the real estate industry where none are needed. Um, and so that for that reason, I remain opposed to it and really concerned about its prospects in the legislature this year. I am calling for um, a pivot from uh, the real estate lobby and a market only approach and calling for the most wealthy people and corporations in this state to contribute their fair share so that everyone in this uh, beautiful state can have a place to live.
0: Uh, Certainly a laudable goal. And I believe, Jackie, we have some information we can put up on the screen about your candidacy where people can find out more information and you're seeing your senior websites there. Jackie Fielder for District 11, California State Senate, we really appreciate you joining us today on the conversation.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you. We're gonna take a short break here. When we come back, Jenk Uygur and Annika Kasparian are gonna have a little conversation about his candidacy after this. Mm-hmm.
2: Welcome to The Conversation, where I'm about to interview a congressional candidate for California's 25th District, Cenk Yuger. Cenk, welcome back on the show. Thank you. So let's talk a little bit about some of the recent revelations when it comes to the Democratic Party. Because even though you're running as a Democrat in California's 25th District, the most aggressive Uh, opponent happens to be a Democrat who's backed by the Democratic establishment. And just today, there was news that the DCCC is planning this red to blue program, where they are going to actively endorse Christy Smith over you in this district, even though she is not an incumbent. The whole point of this uh, program was to protect uh, incumbent Democrats. In this case, she's not an incumbent, uh, however, she has been handpicked, as she says, uh, by uh, the establishment to serve in this role. She doesn't think she has to uh, run an election uh, but yeah. or a campaign. So I wanted to kinda get your thoughts on it. First let me give the audience a few details about what this program is. The DCCC is also throwing support behind California State Assemblywoman Christy Smith, a candidate in the special election to replace former Democratic Representative Katie Hill in the state's 25th district, the decision to place Smith in the program is notable because it could foreshadow a future financial investment ahead of the March 3rd all-party primary. Smith will be battling liberal commentator Jenk Yuger, founder of the Young Turks, for Democratic votes. Both raised large six-figure sums last quarter, but National Democrats are hesitant about Yuger.
3: Hmm, okay. So, uh, let's go over the DCCC's idea of red to blue, they Mm -hmm. say, well, look, we gotta either protect the seats or we're gonna gain new seats, and we're gonna flip them from red to blue. Right. Okay, problem number one, this seat is already blue, so it shouldn't be in red to blue at all. Okay, problem number two is, if the seat is red to blue, it should be the seat, not the particular person in the race, unless they're an incumbent. Now, I don't agree with that philosophy, but that their stated. A goal, and they've said it very clearly, mm-hmm. except in this case, she's not an incumbent. So you have someone in that is not in a red district, not an incumbent, and in a primary. So when the DCCC says, we're going to advantage one candidate over another in this primary, what they are declaring proudly is, we believe in more conservative Democrats, and we will spend money to defeat progressives. And we don't give a damn if it's a primary. We don't care if it's an incumbent. We don't care if it's red. We don't care if it's blue. Our job is to defeat progressives. Right. So be clear about a DCCC, stop lying and pretending it's about incumbency, it isn't. And, to, and is Chrissy Smith really more conservative? Courage California gets together 100 progressive groups to judge the votes. The votes, not the rhetoric, not anything else, the votes of mm-hmm. assembly members. She's in the assembly. You know what rating she got? Not a B, not a C, not a D. She got an F rating. So right. DCC says, oh, you're an F Democrat? Oh, we love F Democrats. And she, Chrissy Smith, endorsed Susan Christopher, a Republican, for her own assembly seat. Mm-hmm. And then Susan Christopher, once she, it was embarrassing that when media found out that it was a Republican they were trying to sneak into a Democratic seat, was true from the race. But not only did Christy Smith endorse her, she maxed out to her, gave her $9,400. So they're trying to almost flip the seat from blue to red.
2: Right, well, flipping the seat or. or- Basically, granting that seat to Christy Smith would maintain the power structure that the DCCC absolutely loves. And you know, you say that she's a conservative Democrat, and I think that her past votes do bear that out. And I want to get into that in just a second. But let me also say, I waited quite a while to get any information about what she stands for because. Apparently Christy Smith doesn't even think she needs to campaign. I haven't seen her do a debate. She famously dodged a debate with you and the other individuals running for this seat. And she also refuses to answer any questions about what she would fight for, what her priorities are. But if you look at her record in the California State Assembly, it's pretty abysmal, especially in a state that's grappling with overwhelming homelessness. So let's talk a little bit about what her record indicates. She voted no on AB 329, which prohibited landlords from rejecting applicants based on Section 8 status. So she's allowing for this type of landlord discrimination to take place in California. She voted no on AB 1482, which capped rent increases at 5% in 12-month periods. Okay, 5% is quite a bit, especially when you consider how much rental properties cost here in California. It also would have forced landlords to present just cause before evicting. Chi, I wonder why she's against all of these protections for renters. She also voted no on AB 749, which prohibits no rehire provisions that bar victims from mistreatment from employees with the offending company. She voted no on SB 218, which establishes penalties for claims that arise under Fair Housing and Employment Act. And also on May 31st, 2019, Christy Smith received, oh, look at that, $7,300 from the California Real Estate Political Action Committee, California Association of Realtors, who were against Assembly Bill 1482. That was the Tenant Protection Act of 2019. So she. Certainly does take campaign contributions that you have rejected, you are funded by small dollar donors. And that's probably the reason why you would vote a little differently when it comes to some of these bills.
3: Right, so first of all, it's really important to understand the DCCC when they endorse someone, Mm -hmm. give them a lot of money. So our only hope is you guys. So if we have to try to match it, we won't be able to match the amount of money that they'll put in the race. But jank2020.com slash go. We're trying to get a thousand contributors. That doesn't mean that you have to give a lot, but at least it's symbolic to say we're angry about this that the DCCC has abandoned, not just abandoned progressives, but actively fought against progressives, funded conservative Democrats against progressives for no reason, violating their own policies. So jank2020.com slash go. Now, on the issue of affordable housing, Anna. So she votes against four measures that would give you affordable housing. The rent caps is the, caps, the worst one. Right. It's actually 5% plus inflation. In LA, that means they could increase your rent 8.3% every single year. Right. And That's- it actually does not apply to a lot of the buildings already in LA or new buildings that are coming out. So the calculus on that is in California, it only applies to about 7% of rentals. So it's a compromise on top of a compromise. And Christy Smith said, no, no, not even 7% can have a rent cap. Mm-hmm. Uh, not even at 8.3%, which is already a giant increase, no, right? And she says, uh, is Section 8 housing, Oh no, 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 we don't want the riffraff around here. I vote no, she votes with the Republicans over and over and over again. And then she says, you said 7,300 from that particular pack, overall from real estate interest, she has $30,000 in campaign contributions. And she says, no, 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 golly gee, that doesn't affect my vote at all. I keep voting against affordable housing, homelessness is the number one problem in this district." And by the way, is the media holding you accountable on any of these votes? Of
2: course not. None of them. None of them. Why would they? When they can find out of context video clips of you online and use that against you, which by the way has absolutely no impact on the constituents. It doesn't in any way inform them on the issues, but does a decent job in trying to smear you. I wanna actually talk a little bit about some of the dirty political tricks that have been happening recently, because I know that I've experienced them firsthand. But I wanna first share a tweet that I thought was a little funny. This was from Christy Smith's Twitter campaign. Now she won't debate you on the issues, but she'll throw some jabs on social media like the coward that she is. She tweeted, fighting for change isn't about competing for YouTube clicks. With makeup tutorials and cat videos, this is what real leadership looks like. So she's arguing that uh, what we do here at TYT is nothing more than uh, makeup tutorials and cat videos, which actually sounds like a lot of fun. I wish we did do some of that stuff. Um, but this isn't where it stops. Uh, some of these dirty political trips have got, uh, tricks have gone further. So can you talk about that a little bit? Well,
3: it's funny that she says that, she, oh, competing. What do you mean competing? You won't show up for a single debate. Exactly. She uh, didn't show up to the League of Women Voters Forum in Simi Valley. She won't show up to anything. And instead of the media being mad, normally when they don't have access, the media gets furious, Mm -hmm. right? But they're like, well, the beloved uh, anointed Christy Smith has been picked by uh, great, uh, I was about to say conservative leaders, like Diane Feinstein and Nancy Pelosi. So we shall bow our heads and not ask her any policy positions, not hold her accountable for not showing up to debates, not doing any interviews and and conducting her campaign from a wine cave. But now they've gone an extra step in mm-hmm. so, um, I was did a podcast in Santa Clarita. I come out, and there's this weird guy that seems to be taking pictures of me. But I totally ignored it because number one, he could be taking a selfie, so don't feel so self-important, right? Mm-hmm. Second, well, sometimes people take awkward pictures of me; then they should just come up, right? Right. And so it's just happened in my life; it's not a big deal. And, but then when I turn around and I see him, he dives into a store. I'm like, okay, that's a little extra weird. Whatever. I'm getting into my car, and I poke my head out. He came out of the store and was taking a picture of my car. And then he dives back into the store, I'm like, okay, that's super weird behavior, but no big deal at all, okay? Mm -hmm. I I don't think twice about it. About a week later, my car's broken into, okay, I'm in a rush to get to the studio. I don't think twice about that, and in fact, I was amused, I was gonna do it in the post game, cuz I was like, they didn't take my CDs cuz they were Kelly Clarkson and Shaggy.
2: And also, okay. no one listens to CDs anymore, okay, so.
3: That's true. And they didn't take <laughs> my raggedy jackets and shirts that I had hung up. Mm-hmm. And so, again, I don't think twice about it, but sometimes your car gets broken into. The next day, though, I noticed that the quarters are still there. Mm-hmm. Like, wait a minute, they didn't take anything, that's really weird. And then my wife calls me, she said, last night, this was the next day, my car was broken into. Like, babes, did they take anything? Mm-hmm. She looks around, looks around, she's like, no, they didn't take anything, they just rifled through the glove compartment. Jeez. So then I called all my neighbors and I said, "Hey guys, you know somebody's breaking into our cars. You should be careful." But did it happen to you? Didn't happen to a single neighbor. Okay. Mm-hmm. So why do they go into your glove compartment? Maybe they want information on you. Maybe they're looking for a key to the house. Maybe they're just looking to intimidate you. Then they come by the office, Palmdale office that we have. They start appear to be taking videos of not only the office itself. They come right up to the door, okay, to do that. But they start following our staffers around and taking videos of them. So it's the year 2020, and we still have this kind of thuggish behavior. Mm-hmm. And, but the establishment's like, bravo, let's give her more money. I don't, look, I don't know who's doing the break-in, I have no idea who did the break-in. But it is a curious, curious coincidence. Now again, the media will say, oh no way, we never believe any progressives, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. But guys, we gotta compete with these folks. And every dollar counts, and every dollar is a voter. Jank2020.com/go. slash We need you guys. With you guys, we can do anything. I actually think, given how terrible she is at campaigning, mm-hmm. how she won't release a single policy issue, I actually think I'm the candidate. We've, you know, how much our volunteers have done. We've made over 120,000 calls in the district. We've already sent 220,000 texts. Wherever I go, people go, "Oh, your friends called me. Mm-hmm. You're my friends." <laughs> okay, they say, "Oh, I got a text from you earlier in the day. People power is gonna work, but we also need money, especially with the DCCC now coming in with God knows how much money, jank2020.com slash go.
2: All right, uh looking forward to seeing what happens with this campaign, and just be informed of what his opponents stand for, what he stands for, and help Jenk out if you believe in his progressive message. Thank you for watching, we'll see you soon.